All right. Well, um, I can't believe that we're just one week away now uh, from our two-year anniversary here at Movement Church, and it's been quite a ride. And uh, I was kind of thinking back on some different things, and I won't spoil next week for you. Um, but man, it's been really cool to see how the Lord's moved and to see the people that are here. And uh, man, just story after story after story after story. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. So I, some of you may know this about me. Some of you may not. Like, for some reason, I probably blame my parents on this one. I'm very accident prone, like injury prone. I wouldn't say accident prone. I'm not that. But like injury prone in sports, um, my knees are terrible. That's probably my dad's fault. Um, and uh, my knees are really bad. <laughs> like, it just, it's awful. When I was like, I don't know, 11 years old, I was rollerblading. Uh, at my house, and I thought I would jump off of a curb, and my knee dislocated on me. Like, come on, seriously? Like, I'm 11 years old. When is that supposed to happen? Um, I got to have a surgery, realized that that surgeon, like, sucked. Um, Seriously, I'm 11 years old. He opened my whole knee up. Like, I got a big old scar down my knee, and then I find out a couple years later, I have another knee surgery, and they just put holes in my knee. Like, come on, seriously? We even stayed overnight that night in the hospital. Um, Knee injury after knee injury. Then I have, then I have other injuries. So I played, I played soccer. I was a goalie. And uh, I dislocated my shoulder a couple times doing that. And uh, so now I have this issue. Anybody here have this issue? You reach out for a box of Cheerios, and all of a sudden your shoulder dislocates, right? Um, and so I have that issue. Ended up in physical therapy about a year ago because of that. Um, and uh, then, you know, I've, I've had the ankles. Anybody here have ankle issues? Ankles are the worst. Like, I don't know, like, God needed to reinvent the way that he makes ankles because it just seems like, you know, you, you step wrong. You're walking somewhere. You're taking the dog outside. All of a sudden, it's just like, Toom! it's like the worst. I have, I have issues. Like, seriously, I won't jump out of a truck because my first thought is my knee's going to dislocate. Or I won't step off of a curb because like, my ankle's going to twist. Like, come on. Um, my biggest fear of, like, going out and coaching baseball, check this out. Infield, I'm okay because usually infields are pretty nice. But if I'm in the outfield and I'm going to get ready to show them, like, how to do a pop fly, typically I'm like, all right, where's the holes at? Because I'm going I'm to find that hole and I'm going to step in that hole. I just know it's going to happen. But I find, I find something so interesting about every one of those injuries, all right? Every one of those injuries, every surgery that I've had, and I've had quite a few of them, they all come back to the same kind of regiment of rehab. And I love this, all right? Number one, they're always going to tell you this. Whenever you get hurt, regardless if it's an ankle, it's a knee, it's a shoulder, whatever it might be, they always talk about one big thing. You need to elevate. You hear that? So immediately you, you twist that ankle, and what do they tell you? Prop it up. Get it elevated. Get it elevated. Let's go. Come on. Get it up. And so all of a sudden now you're elevating that injury, and then they, they tell you something else. What's that other word that they use a lot? Rest. We need you to rest. You need to rest. But then they use that other thing, that rehab. You got to work it out, okay? You got you to kind of work through this time. So now you got to strengthen it up. You got to elevate it, and you've got to rest it. I think the worst thing, I'm just going to like little bit of a rabbit trail. Worst thing of rehab. I don't know if any of you guys have ever had this or not, but I like my legs. I think there's long-term damage done to my, my knees because of this. Like seriously, anybody here ever had that electrotherapy where they put those patches on and then they go, okay, tell me when. And they start cranking that knob and your muscles start to contract. And you're like, when, when, when? They're like, okay. <laughs> and then you just sit there like, oh. 
And then they bring out that ice pack that's like 90 below zero that they place on your leg or whatever, and then it's just like instant frostbite. And uh, so every once in a while, like, I'll be driving in the car, I'll look at Chris and go, my leg, look at it, it's twitching. It's, it's uh, PTSD of the knee or something. I don't know, like, my knee just starts freaking out, like, no! And it's awful. But the reality of it is, is that those, those three big things all help you get strong again. So you're like, what does this have anything to do with the Bible? Well, we move into chapter 11, chapter 12. And as we're processing what it is that Jesus is doing, he's called his disciples. They've gone now. All of his disciples are following him. And they get to this point at the beginning of chapter 12 where you got to hear this. They're hungry. They're hungry. And it just so happens to be on the day of the Sabbath. We hear that word a lot. We use that word a lot. Sabbath. Uh, Black Sabbath. Not the same thing. Um, and, uh, and so you hear this word a lot when we talk about this, but, but it's supposed to be a day of rest. If you ask anybody, typically you go, what's Sabbath mean? It's a day of rest. It's a day of rest. So even going back into the Old Testament time, it was a day that you were really supposed to do absolutely nothing at all. Um, and there's still some people, I know some pastors who won't mow their yard on the Sabbath. They won't go grocery shopping on the Sabbath. They won't, and that doesn't just stand with pastors. I know people that do that stuff. Um, me personally, I don't like to get out of bed on a Sabbath. Like just, no, I'm kidding. I do, but I'm here with you. And, uh, and so like uh, the, the, but these religious leaders are out here and they see Jesus and Jesus has his 12 disciples with them. They're hungry. But it's a Sabbath. So what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus goes out, he takes them out, and he goes to this field, and he starts cutting down these heads of of wheat, and he starts to pass them out. And they're eating. And these Pharisees, which are like the priests of that time, they're super religious, they understand Scripture in and out. And so to speak on their terms means you have to speak to them in a way that they're going to comprehend and they're going to understand. It's kind of like if you're talking to somebody who's very smart and super scientific, you know, you don't just break it down. You got to speak to a different level to be able to, to get it through. And so all of a sudden, Jesus has these Pharisees come up to him. Now, the Pharisees, they're just going to start picking out law, all right? Who are you? To be out here working on the Sabbath, if you're going to say that you are the person that you say that you are, you think that you're better than us and you're out here working on the Sabbath and you're letting, I cannot believe this, but you're letting your disciples work on the Sabbath. And Jesus is just like, hey, dude, like seriously, what's this about? Like they're hungry. They're hungry. What's, what's the big deal? And, and so he talks to them for a minute and they're just high and mighty. And so Jesus... After they eat, Jesus heads to the synagogue. That's where he wants to go. He wants to head to the synagogue. And so Jesus, he's, he walks into the synagogue, and he's confronted. Not confronted, but there's a man there. And, and, and again, I don't believe in coincidence. There, this point was supposed to happen. This, this point was supposed to take place. Jesus walks in, and the Bible says, Scripture says that there was a man with a shriveled hand. It means his hand was really small. And... Uh, Jesus comes to him, and, and the Pharisees are all sitting there watching Jesus. They're testing him. They want to see what he's going to do. What is this man going to do? So Jesus looks at him and says, stretch your hand out. He knows what the Pharisees are thinking. There's, there's a, actually a couple times in Scripture that we're going to read this, we're going to see this, where Jesus knows what the Pharisees are thinking, and he calls them out on their thoughts. But here he is. He sees this man, he just tells him, stretch your hand out. So he stretches his hand out, 
and it goes back to normal. And the Pharisees immediately get frustrated with them. This is the Sabbath. First you're out there cutting down wheat so you can eat, and now all of a sudden, what are you doing? You're healing people on the Sabbath? And Jesus comes back with with what I absolutely love in Scripture. He looks at them and says, if you had a sheep and it fell down in a hole, would you not reach down and pull it back out on the day of the Sabbath? Then he goes on a little bit farther and says, aren't people more important than sheep? Aren't our lives more important than those of the, the sheep? So why would I not do something like that on the day of the Sabbath? So the Pharisees, they they didn't just get mad at Jesus at that time. This is really one of the first times in Scripture where you start to see where the Pharisees are now so frustrated with Jesus, I can't believe that you would break our laws. And that's how they they look at that. Like, I can't believe you would break our laws. Like, this this is the religious people law. Like, what are you doing here? And you say that you are this person of of authority, and you say that you are this person that is here to save us, but yet you're breaking all of these laws. So they don't just go and say, we want to just tell people to not follow this guy. No. For the first time in Scripture, we see that the Pharisees are now plotting to kill Jesus. They walk away together, and they don't just walk away going, man, this guy is such a turd. Like, what is he doing? No, they're like, we got to kill this guy. We're done with this. This is crazy. How dare he break the Sabbath? Let's talk about that word for a minute. Let's talk about Sabbath for a minute. Sabbath is a day of rest. It dates back all the way to the very beginning of Scripture, to the very beginning of time. God creates the heavens and the earth. He he puts birds in the sky and fish in the seas. He creates man. He creates all things of humankind, everything of this earth. And in that midst, in the midst of all the creation, in the midst of all the work, he took a Sabbath. He rested. Now, a lot of times, a lot of times when we think of that, we have different viewpoints of what that might look like. For some of us, it's a churchy way of saying Sunday. It's a very churchy way of just saying, hey, a Sunday. Like, what day is it? Oh, it's the Sabbath. Like, it's, it's that day. And it's like, oh, God bless you, um, if you know what that means. Um, but um, it's just a churchy way of saying Sunday. For others, it's something that truly means something to you. It's your day that you get to rest. It's your day that you get to take and you get to have some of that time to restore, some of that time to refresh. For others, it may not even be on a Sunday. Your Sabbath might be a different day. My Sabbath is a completely different day than a Sunday. But I'm going to be 100% transparent with you. I don't always take a Sabbath. And that's on me. And that's something that I feel like I need to work on personally because you need to have that day of rest. Because what happens if you go week after week after week without a day of rest? Listen, our schedule, our schedule's crazy right now. Monday, Usually it's filled with meetings, making dinner. Kristen's got women's group. Sometimes we have practice. Some other things go on, plus all the homework and everything else. Tuesdays, baseball practice. So I got meetings all day, uh, studying, getting ready for this. Uh, Kristen's at work. We eat dinner as quickly as we can, and then we, we 
take off and baseball practice until 8, 8.30 o'clock at night. Come home, finish up homework, get that going. Wednesdays, all day, studying, getting ready for youth group, getting ready for Sunday morning. Got a couple meetings. Uh, sometimes on Wednesdays, I get to take the day off and get to hang out with Kristen because that's her day off, and we get to hang out a little bit. But then what happens that evening? We come right back, and we have youth group that night, and we do that, and we have a great time with youth group. Thursdays, all of a sudden, transition, and now we've got uh, meetings all day on top of uh, we have... Uh, um, worship practice on top of volleyball practice now and all these different things. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in the spot where it's like Friday. Like this should be an easy day, right? Some days that can turn into a Sabbath, but maybe only about three hours at night. And the Saturday is full of it. Listen, my schedule is no different from yours. But I'm going to tell you, week after week after week after week of that, it starts to affect you mentally. It starts to affect you physically. It starts to wear down your spiritual life. It starts to break down your relationships because we were not designed for that. So what happens when you're hurt? What happens when I dislocate my knee? What happens when I've had ACL repairs? Well, the first thing they tell you coming out of surgery to elevate. So what happens when your soul is hurting? What happens when you are struggling to make things happen? You can't find that time to get a Sabbath because you're surrounded by the chaos of work. You're surrounded by the chaos of family and getting people here and there. You're surrounded by, by the chaos of having to do other people's things or take on other people's issues. We don't think of that a lot of times. But my goodness, when you have friends, when you have family, when you have people that you care about, you wear their issues too. And so to elevate, you're like, what do I elevate? My, my ankle? My hip? No, that's what happens after Taco Bell. Um, sorry, that was bad. You elevate. <laughs> Brittany just got it. She was like 10 seconds late to the party. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but really though, you elevate. Elevate. When you look at the cross, it's all, about, it's all about that elevation. What do you look at? All right? Where do you turn your eyes to? If you're going to elevate your spirit, it's saying, God, I need you right now more than ever. It's understanding. It's realizing it. So you elevate. And then you go, okay, what else did I need to do in that time? What else did I need to do in that time? Well, you would elevate. And then all of a sudden you would rehab right? You'd go through some rehab. So what's rehab look like? Spiritual rehab. Well, sometimes it's just opening up your scripture and walking through it. All right, Jesus, what can you tell me? What can you teach me right now? Sometimes it's, sometimes scripture, listen, I'm going to be real with you. Sometimes scripture is super intimidating. You open up the Bible, you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do. So what do we do? We turn to devotions. We turn to things that people wrote that they use scripture in so that we can be fed and we can understand and we can grip it. Man, time and time again, I can't tell you how many times I've opened up a book and went, oh, aha, seriously? I've been looking for this forever. We come to church. We get fed being around other believers. My favorite, I turn on worship music. I turn on worship music and just let it rehab my heart.
Sometimes you just have to let your soul heal. But we don't talk about that a lot. We can talk about physical healing a lot because you can see it. But how many times do you truly think about your soul? How many times do you truly think about the spiritual life that affects your soul? I'm talking about what gets to the heart. Who makes you what you are? You have to rehab that sometimes. And after rehabbing that, the number one thing is you need to find rest. You need to find time to get away. You need to find time to relax. If you are in a spiritual battle right now, sometimes the greatest thing for you to do to fight is just to shut up. We just want to keep telling God, this is how you can fix it. God, this is how you can fix this. I know I'm going through it. Just, just fix it this way. And God's like, would you just stop talking for a minute and hear me out? I've got this. I've got this. So I want to challenge you. If that's where you're at today, if you need some time to rest, I want to challenge you to find that Sabbath. If you have a schedule that looks like mine, I want you to carve out eight hours in a schedule. Even if it's like, I can't get through the whole day without it. My kids are going to come home and I, I just can't tell their teacher, sorry, teach, Sabbath day, no homework. It doesn't work that way. I tried it. Easter one year, Ethan, I told you this story, I think, before. I gave up homework. It didn't work. Didn't work. I, religious purposes didn't work. <sighs> Man, the things you should be able to get away with and you can't. I'm trying to surrender to Jesus, and the school system says no. <sighs> I wonder if they'd get that if you went to, like, a Christian school. Like, hey, listen, I talked to Jesus. This is what it's all about. You go to a Christian college. You should try it. Senior year, no better time to do that. Sorry, teach. I gave up my senior project for Easter. <laughs> you going to try it. Let us know how it works. Uh, but anyways, rabbit trail. Find that time to rest. Find your Sabbath. It doesn't have to be a Saturday. It doesn't have to be a Sunday. It can be a Monday. It can be a Tuesday. It can be Wednesday from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. But find time to just breathe. I remember a few years ago, we had this artist named Johnny Diaz that came and played a concert for us. And uh, I remember my mom just in all of this song because she was just going through a time of chaos and, a, and just a time of just constant craziness. And there was this song of his that says, just breathe. Sometimes we forget about that. What did we just sing? Come on now, what did we just sing? It's your breath in our lungs. If we truly believe that, then why don't we wanna just stop and take a breath. Why don't we want to take time just to elevate and refocus? To take time to rehab and surrender. That's what the cross is about. And as Jesus continues to work and move in and throughout us, we have to allow him to do the things that he's going to do. We have to know the way that we were designed we were not designed to just go, go, go. So I want to challenge you today. As we focus on that, as we focus on the reason why Jesus goes to the cross today, 
as we do communion together. I want you to look at this and say, okay, what do I need to do to elevate? What do I need to do to let some of that swelling go down, to let some of that pain subside? What do I need to do to allow Jesus to work in and through my life? And then ask the same thing. How do I rehab? How do I surrender those things so I can't elevate? Jesus went to the cross that night. And when you really think about that story and the fact that Jesus was beaten, he had the skin stripped off of his back, a crown of thorns placed on his head, And scientists have even come to say that it's probably the most brutal way, most agonizing way to ever die. The plan could have been different. The plan could have been a quick death. The plan could have been something completely different, but it wasn't. That was not the plan. Because of our pains, he wore that pain for us. And Jesus said that night in the upper room that he wants you to take and eat, and every time that you eat this bread, break it. Remember that his body was broken for you. And he took the cup and he showed his disciples before it even happened and said, my blood is gonna be shed for each and every one of you so that you can have freedom. And so today as we partake, I just want you to look at that, reflect on that, elevate, And what is it that you can work on? What is it that you can rehab in your life so that you can get better and big things can happen in and throughout you? So Jesus, I thank you for moments like this that we have time just to come and reflect, to hear from you, to love on you. So Father, show us. As we look to rehab our spirits, our souls, our spiritual life, I pray that you speak today. I pray that you show us those places that we can rehab our lives as we allow you to come in and and work through the situation, Father. Sometimes it's going to burn a little bit like an ice pack does. But Father, we know at the end of that burn that healing takes place. So, Father, I pray today that lives are transformed, not just here at Movement Church, but also for those that are online partaking with us. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So what we're going to do is you're going to filter out that way, come right through, and uh, receive on your time. Come forward. Jesus, we thank you for allowing us this opportunity to come and to worship you. So, Father, I pray that as we go today that we continue to look at the rehab of our life and where it is that we need to be, Father. That we don't allow the Pharisees of our lives to dictate the way that we worship, the way that we do things. But, Father, we know and we realize that we need to reach out even in times of rest. We can find so much rehab in just doing your work, Father. 
I'm reminded of even Elijah needed rest. As he was broken down and beat down, I didn't feel like he could continue on one more bit, but you fed him. You gave him the nutrients he needed to to go again. And so I pray, Father, that if there's that person in this room today, if there's that person online that just needs fed, I pray that you give them just the right nutrients that they need, the right words they need, the right scripture they need, the right person they need in their life. So, Father, we thank you for today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hello, my name is Doug Doms. I'm the executive pastor here at the Movement Church. It is through your blessings that this ministry continues to reach out and touch lives that might not have been touched otherwise. If you want to continue to support our ministry, please go to movementchurch.community and please remember to tell your friends, go on social media, tell your friends at Movement 937. God bless you and have a wonderful day and thanks again. Thank you.